Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where complete strangers gift me and all of you a sexy dose of vulnerability so that we can learn about ourselves as we listen to each other because really, we all just want to lead better laid lives. Our guest today is an almost 21-year-old single bisexual cis female with an ex that she is not over yet. She's into light BDSM, breath play, feet, works in marketing, and also as a cam girl. Originally from the Midwest, she's now a bit of a nomad with Brazil as her home base. And a trigger warning for our listeners, her sexual origin story is one of assault, so we will be discussing her experience with rape, addiction, and PTSD. Welcome, Violet. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Will you please start off by telling our listeners, on your shame-a-meter today, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most full of shame and 1 being the least, where do you fall right now? I would say a 2 or a 1. Okay. I'm pretty confident with where I'm at right now. Amazing. And can you give us just a little overview of what your sex life is currently like? Currently, it's kind of non-existent. I am a cam girl, so I work and I do a lot of live camming and then private video chatting as well. So that's kind of the extent of it right now. But, you know, hopefully that'll change here in a couple months. Who knows? Maybe I'll get back to real people again. But for now, I'm content where I'm at. Awesome. Okay. Now take us back to your younger years. When do you first remember hearing about sex? I think the first time that I remember actually learning about it was when my parents actually took me aside and they had this book and it was very anatomical. And so I learned the actual names for parts and how things worked, but I was extremely young, like probably eight or nine. Okay. And I was homeschooled for a very long time, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to other kids who weren't in church. So it was kind of uncomfortable, and I didn't really get that much out of it except for awkwardness. Yeah. I started masturbating at a very young age, of course, not knowing what it was, mm -hmm. just knowing that I felt good. And it became like a problem in my family So because they couldn't get me to stop because I didn't understand why I needed to stop because they just said that I couldn't do it. And even... If I did it in my room, they would get mad at me. So they had to tell my grandparents, hey, don't let her do this when she's at your house. Um, and eventually that ended up in my mom. I remember very clearly, she took me outside and she took me for a walk. And she gave me this talk about like, do you know how they talk about that word sex on TV? Well, you're not old enough, can't do things like that. It makes you feel sexually good, but it's not okay. And again, I was just left feeling extremely shameful through that. And so that whole beginning part was difficult. Actually, I thought that I was going to actually be deformed because I had done it and was talked to in that way about it. So I didn't look at my vagina until I was probably 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So did you start touching yourself after learning about what sex was or was it even younger? Oh, it was even younger. Okay. I okay. would just lay on my stomach and go for it. Yeah. And not even, you know, knowing what it was. Mm. And that's also kind of how I remember knowing that I was never heterosexual because I would take my mom's Victoria's Secret catalogs out of the mail and I had a stockpile of them in my nightstand as like a little, oh, little tiny wow. kid. And not even knowing why, I just love to look at the ladies in their underwear. That yeah. was like one of my favorite things to do. So I would stay up at night and look at them just because I thought they were so pretty. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
And what was said to you that made you think that you would become deformed from touching yourself? Do you remember? I am not quite sure exactly how I got that into my head. I think it was because it had been, you know, told to me so many times that it wasn't good for me to do that and that I shouldn't do that. And I thought, oh, well, there must be a reason for them to not tell me, but they never told me what it was. And so I thought by constantly like putting my hands down there and moving things around that I was going to grow wrong and that everything was going to look wrong and that I would have to live with that as like a very small child. It was a cause of a lot of stress. Oh my gosh. Okay. So was that your only sex ed lesson since you were homeschooled or did you ever end up in public schools with, with like teachers teaching you sex ed? So in my junior year of high school, I eventually went to a public school and got, you know, a rough version of sex ed. It was pretty much abstinence only. They kind of told us how things worked again. But at that point, I kind of knew what was going on again myself. I also had a lot of trauma based around, I had gone to a couple of these like Christian abstinence things for girls Mm -hmm. where you went and you sat with your mom and you listened to someone talk about how sex needed to stay. It was like fire and it needed to be in the fireplace of marriage, that whole trope. Really? Mm -hmm. We were even given these little boxes. And in the box, like tied up all pretty with a ribbon, was this piece of paper. And we were instructed to give it to our husbands on our wedding day to prove to them that we had stayed pure. Whoa. Do you remember the feelings that you had as a young person when all of this was taking place? Always uncomfortable. I was never comfortable with it. And then later, all of those things had a pretty drastic impact on my mental health because of things that I experienced afterward. So now I am so much more open with things. And I actually have a friend who's in her 30s and she has a small child Hmm. and her daughter has been, you know, touching herself as well. And so she we had we had talked about my trauma and my feelings towards it. And so she has kind of been talking to me about it and asking what ways I think would help handle that to not give her daughter the level of shame that I had. Mm -hmm. And it was actually, you know, listening to this podcast that I figured out that it was really normal for little kids to start um, touching themselves at a young age. And I did not know that before. And so now that I know and know a lot more about it, it has helped resolve so, 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 so much internalized shame from that. Mm. Okay. Do you have siblings? I am the oldest of four. So I have three younger siblings. One of them is closer to me in age. And then there are another two that are 10 years and 14 years younger than me. Okay. So I'm a little bit of a second mom to them. Got it. Okay. So what was the vibe like in your house when it came to sex outside of those moments? Was it ever talked about or discussed? So I was not allowed to watch a lot of TV shows things like Disney Channel. I wasn't allowed to watch Disney Channel until I was 13. Oh. Of course, I kind of sneaked it whenever I was at friends' houses or with my grandparents or something. So I was exposed to things, but my parents really did try to shelter me a lot. Okay. And I think as the oldest and being a girl, it was a lot harder for me than it has been and will be for any of my siblings. And I also kind of feel like a duty to make sure that the things that happened to me didn't happen to them and that they have, you know, someone to talk to and me at least. Yeah. But my parents never spoke about it. It was awkward when there was a kiss scene on TV. Um, My parents never really displayed affection in front of us. 
we weren't given a lot of affection. We are not a touchy family. Okay. Um, so it was just a lot of awkwardness and discomfort. Mm. So when did you start touching yourself either in secret or with permission or like what happened to your masturbation self after all of this shame was dumped on you? What was your sexual relationship with yourself like as you got older? I think as I started to hit puberty, I had kind of discovered what things were and that it was actually okay what I was doing. I think I was in sixth or seventh grade and I was in this church youth group, source of so much trauma for me. And it was this group of girls, sixth or seventh grade girls, and we're being told to confess really deep, dark secrets that we were ashamed of, which is kind of messed up in a lot of ways. But I remember that my best friend at the time, she started crying. And so we're all sitting around just kind of like waiting. And she confessed to everyone that she masturbated. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, this is really sad because I masturbate, but I'm definitely not going to tell anyone. And I also don't think it's a sin. Yeah. And so I, I'm not sure why or where exactly that got flipped around in my head where I knew that it was okay for me. But in middle school, I had, I had figured it out that I wasn't doing anything wrong. Wow. Okay. Wait, were you still homeschooled then? You were? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 So in this time where you had a little more awareness about what was happening, were you just like doing it under the covers at night or like, how did you find private time for yourself? I would just go to my room in general. As I got older, um, when I was really young, I shared a room with my brother Mm -hmm. who was younger than me, but obviously never did anything while he was around. But when I moved to my own room, it was pretty easy for me to just find alone time whenever. Okay. So will you just walk us through your sexual unfolding and any experiences that you had with partners along the way as you were developing into the sexual adult that you are now? Absolutely. So I kind of, I remember specifically, you know, laying in bed and touching myself with different things and experimenting with different objects. Um, There was a particular hairbrush that I found very interesting. Why? Tell us about it. Tell us its shape. Tell us its, yeah. So it was not ideal for the purposes that I was using it for, but I didn't think to maybe buy a different hairbrush that would be better. Okay. I remember that it had like these ridges on the handle. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do like pretty intense cleaning every time I used it. So was it inside (laughs) or were you using it inside? (laughs) And it wasn't even very comfortable, but I was just like so desperate, like looking for something like what could, what could go in? What could I, what could I put in there? So there was that kind of like panicked, I need to know. And then I remember also being very, oh my goodness, I wonder what a penis feels like inside. I bet it's so great. And then just like fantasizing about it. And it was never as good as I anticipated. (laughs) But um, there was that anticipation there, which was interesting. And then I started doing things with partners kind of late. Okay. Like I didn't have my very first kiss until I was 15. Mm-hmm. Me too. But the very first kiss was not a kiss. It was like a makeout session, mm-hmm. which was a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're like, ah, spit everywhere now. Ah, exactly. And in my head, I remember like it was happening and I'm just thinking uh, in my head just over and over and over, follow the leader, follow the leader, like going back through every how to kiss article I'd read as oh, like a preteen. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it was okay. And then maybe like a week later or less, I'm actually really thankful to this guy for kind of the beginning experience that he gave me because he uh, gave me head and I gave him head and it was equal. Okay. And he really made me feel like, especially after experiencing so much shame about my vagina for so long to have someone that excited to be participating and to be like tasting things and enjoying it was a huge thing for me. And I think it was also really important because I have a lot of friends now who their partners don't go down on them. And they're just like, oh, it's okay. He doesn't like it. It's fine. And I don't really think it is fine. Mm. I mean, to each their own and everyone can have their own opinion. But for me, I really think reciprocity is important. So he showed me that and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. For me, it's about feeling desired by the other person. I have a question. How was it having another person look at your vagina after all of these years of like bad, wrong, no, don't touch? I hear a lot of joy, but was there anything else? There was fear, but I think because he just put his face in it so quickly, it made me, I remember we were in a car and I remember being in the backseat and just being happy because I felt like I'm fine. I look normal. He likes it. Mm. I am desired, like you said. And I let go of a lot of things in that moment. And it was really, really formative for me. Okay. And how was it to have a penis presented to you and to like put your mouth on it? That was scary. Okay. But I did it and it was fine. I later found out that it was really bad from him. (gasps) Okay. How did he tell you? He didn't tell me he, it was kind of weird. He was like friends with my cousins Uh and he had told my cousin that I was bad at it. And then years later, my cousin told me, which I mean is understandable. It's your very first time. So I've improved. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I wish that we just lived in a world where we could give each other adjustments on the fly, where we had the tools to speak and then receive the information. Because I feel like that is I struggle with and other partners still, still I'm getting better. So what happened next? So that experience, it kind of ended like that. I think I actually ended up, I had snuck out to hang out with him and he had driven from like over an hour and a half away. Oh, he wow. had snuck out as well. Oh my God. And so he'd snuck out to meet up and hang out. And that was the second time we'd ever done it. And everything had just like led to another So afterwards, he took me back home and I ended up being locked out of my house. So I had to sneak in through the basement. I was, yeah, I was big into sneaking out as a early teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened. And then I think within between two months and six months, I don't remember exactly Mm -hmm. after my first kiss was when I lost my virginity. Okay. So everything was just happening super fast. And on one hand, I feel like, I had waited so long to try anything when I had been, you know, obviously been a sexual being for so long and had known about that. But I, when I waited for so long, it was like 10 years of just me, I was ready to go, Mm. you know? So I went from first kiss to going down on each other, oral sex really quickly. And it was a very comfortable transition. Mm. I wasn't comfortable with losing my virginity, but a lot of that was based 
in the kind of religious brainwashing that I had received as well. Okay. So there was a lot of layers to that. Okay. Do you want to walk us through the details of that first partnered experience? So part of the reason that I was less sheltered than a lot of my religious friends was because I grew up in a not so nice part of town. Okay. And so I was friends with all the kids on my street, um, super, super low income. There were a lot of drug houses on that street, people's parents struggling with things. And so I'm grateful for that because I was able to understand from a very young age that it doesn't matter where you come from at all and that Mm. everybody's the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I knew a lot more people and someone who had lived around the corner from me who was older than I was by, I think, three years. I had snuck out of my house to hang out with him. And I remember we had kissed and I was comfortable with it. And then he wanted to do more and I was not comfortable. I didn't put up a fight or anything. Not mm. that that's, yeah. you know, any excuse. No. But I, I just said, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. Um, and it happened anyways. Mm. And so it was this thing of, well, right before it actually happened, and I knew it was going to happen anyways, I switched in my head to, okay, this is fine. Because and I, I've talked to a lot of women who experience the same thing in a situation where they know that they're about to be assaulted. Sometimes they make the decision in their head to, okay, I want this now just to prevent the I've been raped or I've been assaulted kind of trauma from that, which isn't healthy or real. And you eventually will have to work through that, which is what I've learned. So that type of situation that continued for like at least six months of continuous, I would, you know, meet him and not, I mean, there was a very few handful of times where I was a willing participant, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but the majority were not they became kind of violent. He was clearly not listening to me. You know, it was, it just got, it just kind of escalated and got worse until I got to the point where I think I had just had enough and I blocked him on everything. And he still, there was a few times after that where he would see me around town because he lived really close and he would just harass me like follow me around. If I had my siblings with me, it was just a really big issue for me in high school for that to happen. When did you know that you had to block him and get him out of your life? Was there a moment where that happened? I think because I was consistently feeling really bad and because he was starting to injure me and threaten me a lot more. I, he would burn me with cigarettes, not to the point not to the point where I have any lasting scars, but just enough to like hurt, burn and make me panic. And so one of my, I do have post-traumatic stress disorder, mild. And one of the triggers for me is when people flick lighters in my face, which people like to do a lot because it's just a fun thing for friends to do. Mm. But he actually caught my hair on fire one time. So yeah, it was a lot of crazy stuff. And he had started talking to people about me and it was just getting too much. And I was like, okay, this, this has to stop. What did you do to take care of yourself when you were like, oh, this is a bad situation? Were, was support available to you in your community? Because it sounds like. No, no, not at all. I went through a period of, I was, de- I was depressed before as um, like a young teen. And it, I went through a period of really extreme depression. There was self-harm involved. And I also have anxiety now, Mm -hmm. which was caused by my trauma. 
So I never struggled with anxiety as a child. And it's actually getting a lot better now. Okay. But I struggled with that for quite a few years and it was pretty extreme at some points. Can you share a couple of the ways that you have processed the trauma that you've experienced? Therapy, for sure. I had actually asked my parents to go to therapy for quite a while before they allowed me to go because of the intense religion. It was kind of seen, it was literally told to me that I just needed to go to church more and I would feel better. And of course they didn't know anything about my experiences because I never told them we don't have a close relationship. And so it was never, it never felt safe. So I finally got to go to therapy a couple times in high school. And then I started really going when I got to college because it was offered for free through my university. And I was able to really talk through a lot of my things. And it was really, really hard for a long time. I would have anxiety before every session. I think I would go twice a week, really bad before every session. And every single time after I left, I would just be a mess of tears, Mm -hmm. just sobbing for probably an hour after every single one. Wow. But it was actually, I'll backtrack a little bit because before I went to any type of therapy and I was getting pretty extremely depressed, I started to go totally numb. And I, it got to a point where I could not feel any emotion once it hit a certain level and I would just completely shut down and check out of my body. So when that was happening so, so, so much, it became a, okay, I do have to tell someone about this. I need to tell an adult. I need to tell a grown up. And the woman who was the wife of one of the youth pastors that we had had, they didn't even work for our church anymore, but we had kind of stayed in touch. She's just a really good lady you know, still not religious, but she just was a really safe person. Yeah. And so we met for coffee and I remember I told her what happened. And as soon as I told her all of the emotion that I had been holding in for so, so, so long, all came out. And it was the most, I cried so hard and I finally left. And then I went to one of my friend's houses and just laid on her bed and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried for hours. And her mom brought me cups of tea and they laid on the bed with me and just kind of let me get all of the stuff that I had been holding in outside. And that was a really good learning experience too, because I learned that you really can't just shove stuff down inside you. It will have to be worked through at some point. So that's contributed a lot to a lot of work that I've done on myself meditation has helped a ton, just kind of learning to be comfortable with my thoughts, learning to be comfortable with being alone. So those things have all helped a ton for me. Beautiful. When you were in therapy in college, were you also able to talk about it with any friends or outside support that wasn't therapy or was it mostly in that space? By that time, I was comfortable sharing with other people. So I didn't receive direct support from friends, mostly because I was very careful about not unloading on anyone too much because it's a very heavy subject. But being able to just talk about my experiences and talk with other people about their experiences was very therapeutic and helpful for me. And even now, I love to share what I've learned and everybody may not be able to use it all and everything applies to everyone differently. But I mean, I know from personal experience, hearing other people's stories 
can definitely help you process your own and impact you in a really huge way to make you not feel as alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you begin to move on? It sounds like you have had at least one other relationship since then. Yeah. What was it like to get back out there? So when I was going through that period of really heavy depression in high school, I actually had a boyfriend and I ended up breaking up with him because I was just too emotionally messed up. Mm. And that was hard, but it was, it was the right decision because I needed to take care of myself. Yes. But he was the one who I kind of credit with teaching me what sex is supposed to be and how partners are supposed to be and how you should care for the other person and not hurt them. So he set me up with a pretty good idea of that. And then moving into college, eventually, I started dating someone else. And we had a lot of really fun experiences. He did not like to give me oral sex, which I was not a fan of. But at the time, I was like, this is just so good. I'll deal with it. Oh, yeah. What were the good parts? (laughs) So he was one of those people who... Every time that we had sex, I was consistently shocked by his size. And looking back now, I'm not sure if that was because it was so shocking or just because I had way less experience than right, I do now. Right. <laughs> um, we actually recently hooked up and was for like, like the first time in years yeah. and it was horrible. Oh no. Why? Why? <laughs> he made some empty promises oh, mm-hmm. and was not worried about taking care of me at all. Like the energy was great. The vibes were awesome. I was so, so, so wet. Like by the time we even got to his room, like we'd gone on a date and everything. And it was one of those things, the minute he put it in, I could feel myself just like dry up like immediately. And I was like, God, no. Oh, how disappointing. Yes. But before he had done a lot of helping me a lot because I had a lot of pain during sex for a very long time. Okay. I honestly think part of it was trauma related because mm-hmm. you can involuntarily have a lot of pain because of that. That That is a thing. Yeah. So also I had not a diagnosis of, but my gynecologist at the time thought I may have had endometriosis. Okay. I'm not sure if I actually have that or not. I've had weird reproductive things for a very long time. Okay. Okay. He did a good job of getting me to the point where I could take more. He had kind of figured out how to work up to where I could, you know, kind of get pounded, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is what I really liked and enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Will you please tell us the details of what you like and enjoy and your personal physical body and what she loves? Besides pounding, we know pounding. (laughs) Yes. Does pounding make you come? Not usually. Okay, okay. I have like this thing and I don't think it's weird, but I've had partners where like, I feel uncomfortable when you say that, but there's a a point during sex where I like to kind of view myself as a sex toy for someone else. I feel you. And it's not even, I mean, it's not even like I'm not enjoying it, but it's the turn on is because someone else is getting off, like Mm -hmm. either looking at me. Like I love when people jerk off and just, and just look at me. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. So camming is really fun for me. Yeah. So I love getting pounded super hard. I'm really into nipple play. I'm pretty sure that it hasn't happened yet, but I am pretty confident that someone could give me an orgasm just from messing with my nipples. How, how do they like to be messed with? Like if you had to guess, what would it, what would your future nipple orgasm maybe be like? Definitely a lot of just gentle finger playing with 
for okay. a while, kind of like rubbing over them. Like more like single finger, more like pinching or just all of it? Starting with single finger, moving okay. up to pinching, okay. pinching and twisting. If oh, I'm yeah. there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I, my pain tolerance increases a shocking yes. amount when yes. I'm turned on. Same. So I can take a ton if I actually get there. So I love my nipples just being like twisted and pulled super hard. But I also really enjoy licking and sucking. I just think it feels really nice. I think it's really hot. I like doing it to other women too. Yeah. I just love nipples. <laughs> and what about your lady parts? I generally come from clitoral stimulation. Okay. So my favorite toy that I have out of all of them is this rainbow tie-dye tiny vibrator that I got. Like It was my very first one. And it, I have so many more like nicer, high-tech, expensive uh-huh, ones uh-huh. now. And that one is my favorite. <laughs> so I like that one just for simulation. And I like to be fucked while using that at the same time or better while they're using it on me. Mm. Although sometimes for me to come, I have to use it because I have to be able to you know, feel what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy receiving oral sex a lot, a lot. What style? Like, are there specific moves or things to avoid or anything like that? I like tongue fucking a lot. Yeah. I think it's hot. My ex who I have learned a lot more about what I like in sex with him. Mm. That was a pretty long-term relationship. And honestly, we'll probably hook up again. But he is just obsessed with eating pussy. He loves it. Like, he loves to go down on women. And he will just stay down there for so long and just gets his entire face in it. Like, he comes up and he's just covered. Like, he's a mess every time amazing it's so hot and I just feel like very I feel very desirable and it may Mm. be tied to some of that shame that I had for so long and I love even just watching him because you can tell how much that he loves it so that's kind of how I feel about it in general if I can tell that someone is really enjoying it that makes me turn on a lot more too. Yeah. I also like fingers while I'm receiving as well generally more than one but not more than three. Okay. Between one and three fingers. Okay. Great. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of clitoral simulation. So like pulling the hood back and making sure that everything's taken care of, little circles around everything is mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. So you can handle direct stimulation? Sometimes. Okay. It's again, I need to be extremely wet. There usually needs to be a lot of spit involved. Okay. But there there comes a rare rare once every blue moon or maybe a little bit more common than that, that I can take direct stimulation. And that's just really fun and overwhelming. Amazing. What are your go-to ways for touching yourself? Nipple stimulation. I touch my own nipples a lot. Vibrators are my best friend. That's kind of my, okay, I'm kind of horny. I just want to come. So I'll just, you know, whip out the vibrator and go for it. Totally. But there's times when I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm actually horny. So I have this like suction cup dildo and I like to. What? It, it, like, oh, like it suction cups onto a something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Duh. I have one too. So it like, I put it on a chair and then I like to like ride the chair. So like maybe a um. leg up or both legs down or just kind of like sitting on the chair and vibrator as well. That also makes for like great streaming content. Yeah. Because that's another thing with my masturbation 
there's kind of this thing of if I get horny, I have to decide the level of horny I am. (laughs) (laughs) Because if it's light horny, then I'm like, okay, well, I can just, you know, take care of this myself. But then if I get into it, I have to be careful because if I'm wrong and if I like make myself like want to come really hard because, okay, so for me, orgasms are like circles. So not every time do you reach a full circle, but you can have orgasms at any point around the circle. I love that description. It's, It's how it makes sense to me. Yeah. So if I have like, if I'm okay having just like a little like quarter circle orgasm or, you know, maybe like a halfway circle orgasm, I'll probably just take care of myself. Uh But then if I get too turned on and I'm at the point where like, oh my gosh, I think I can reach a full one. I do get kind of distracted even because I'm like, shoot, why did I not get on camera? (laughs) Uh If if it's like, okay, I'm horny. I'm going to try to get to the full circle today. I'm just going to document the process. Yes. Yes. And then sometimes camming can help and sometimes it can kind of hurt because you're a little bit distracted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're doing it all live, right? You said streaming. Yes. That would distract me so much. It's a learning curve. Yeah. For sure. I've been doing it for over two years at this point, I think. Amazing. Recently, I've actually transitioned to more like private paid like FaceTime calls. Cool. Video calls. And that is a little bit easier sometimes if you have someone who someone who appreciates what you're doing. Yeah. Because there are people who will try to pay for the least amount of time possible mm-hmm. and try to see everything possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that can be kind of distracting if you're being pressured to come by someone, yeah. which happens a lot in this industry. People are always like, just come, just come, just come now. And you're like, okay, well now you said it. So I won't. Right. <laughs> like, right. Right. You're like, oh, you want me, you want me to make a fake noise? I can do that. Like that's not fun for either of us. Okay. I mean, maybe it's fun for them. I don't know. Can you actually just circle back and give us the full, like, how you got into it, how you decided to do it, and how you feel about it? Yes. So I got into it initially because I had had two different people. One was this guy that I had, I've known for years and years, and we just over the internet. And at some point, a couple years ago, we had decided, all right, we're going to meet up. Um, I was going to fly to LA and we were just going to hang out for the weekend and it was really fun. He ended up being like super great guy. We're really good friends still. Um, and we hooked up a few times and we filmed some of it and he, we would do stuff on FaceTime sometimes after that, when I had gone, when I'd left and he just mentioned one day, you would be really good at camming. Like, I think you would be really good at it. And I was like, whatever. Okay. And then there was this other guy who I think we matched on Tinder or something. He was a professor at a university, not my university. He had this fantasy of getting with a student Mm. and he wasn't like, he wasn't like super old, but he was like, there's no way that I would ever do that with any student from my university because that's ethically not okay. And I think we, we met up, he took me to dinner and we didn't even actually have sex. We just did what well, we did oral sex. And that was it. I actually wanted to do more. And he's like, no, I got to go. I got to go do this thing. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. But he also mentioned that he thought that I would be really good at it. Huh. So they both separately mentioned it with like no communication between them. And I was 
working a ton already and I was in school full time and I needed extra cash. Mm-hmm. I masturbated a lot anyways. Yeah. So I was like, well, I might try it. So yeah. I got on for the first time and I like did some research, watched some other ones. And I definitely could have made so much more money the first time if I had actually understood how it all worked. Okay. Because the way that those camming sites are set up, it's the most new people get the most exposure uh-huh. because people love to try to exploit. Right. right. Which can easily be done when someone doesn't understand how it works. Do you want to give like our listeners just like broad, vague advice? I would say if you want to get into camming specifically, I know OnlyFans and paid subscription sites kind of had a really big jump during quarantine. It's not something that I do, so I don't really know anything about that. But live camming, which I think can be much more lucrative Mm -hmm. and easy um, because it requires a lot less prep and work um, and consistency. You need to watch a lot of cams beforehand. Do not ever cam until you have your payment information set up. You need to be able to receive payment before you cam for the first time. Because if you don't, people can't even tip you if they want to. Yeah. So also utilize things like tip menus. Don't ever show anything for free unless, you know, you've learned a lot and have gotten to a point where it can be strategic. Yeah, people always try to get things for free. But the reality is people will pay for everything. Mm. So don't give things for free when you're working. Amazing. Okay. So how has it affected your own, like, it sounds like you're masturbating and having fun. Is it fucking with your sex life at all? Or is it like pretty chill? My sex life fucks more with the camming than the camming fucks with the sex life. (laughs) Ooh, say more. So a good smart way to cam regularly is to be consistent about it and have like a set time when you usually cam. And when I've been in periods where I'm able to do that, I can consistently make a significantly higher amount of money. Mm -hmm. I can also project my earnings with a lot more certainty. Okay. But when I'm in periods where I have a partner, especially like a regular partner or I'm living with someone, it becomes extremely hard because you have to like you you have you want to have sex with someone, but then you also have to set aside time to just orgasm by yourself on camera. Yeah. And my sex drive can't take it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. if I'm having sex multiple times a day because I want to, yeah. and I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want to have sex because I have to cam later. Yeah. Like that's just, that's hating your job right there. Totally. So, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I'll kind of not cam when I'm having a lot of sex. Mm. So the ideal thing, I think, which me and my ex were planning on doing this, but he is not an American citizen And he also does not yet have a passport. So the particular camming website I was using is very strict on identity verification for all people performing, which I think is great. But he could not identify his age. So there was no way for him him to cam with me, which is something that, you know, we had talked about and he was totally fine with doing. Disclaimer, you know, if you can, don't automatically assume that your partner will be down to do it as well. I was gonna, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a big conversation that needs to happen. I also want to hear how you even talk to partners about it. Do you just bring it up right away? Again, now, because I'm like so low on the sexual shame spectrum, I am pretty open with everything. Okay. So I just kind of let it come naturally because it's generally kind of relevant occasionally at some point. Mm -hmm. But I mean, again, I've haven't 
I was in a relationship for like a year and a half almost. So it's been a while since I've had to disclose to anybody. But the only thing that is kind of sketchy for me is just making sure that the person you tell isn't going to try to abuse that information. Yes. Um, because I am extremely private with mine. Okay. There's a lot of people that I went to like high school with, for example, and they decided to start making content Mm -hmm. and then just promote it on their regular personal accounts, Mm -hmm. which again, to each their own. But for me, that's very dangerous because I mean, a, it's, it becomes very easy for people on the internet to find you if you're connected to all your high school friends. And at some point your full name was on there, even if it's not now, the big surge into content production, X-rated content production freaked me out a little bit because of that, because Mm -hmm. I was seeing so many of like girls I knew from high school, just try to like make some money fast, which it's not a good way to make money fast. Really. It takes a while to build up a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work involved and they were just you know, putting that out there. And then people from our school were like buying it. And then some things were just getting illegally distributed. So there just needs to be a lot of thought that goes into, you know, working in this industry, a lot of thought going into who you tell and who you are open with about it for sure. Yeah. So you weren't able to do anything with him in the video. So has it all pretty much been solo stuff? Pretty much. We filmed stuff of us. And then I sold that separately. Fun. So not through any site, just through my social medias that I have. Yeah. My sex work social medias that are separate from my personals. Yeah. So we have made content together and I've sold that to people. However, while I think that couples generally do really well on cam, Mm -hmm. when it's just content production, solo seems to go over better. Oh, okay. Okay. Which... I mean, again, there's a niche for everything. There are people on the internet who are into literally everything. So you can find, you know, an audience wherever. But my fans that I've had for the longest generally prefer solo stuff. Okay. Speaking of people being into everything, you have some kinks we need to hear about. But first, I want to hear about your experiences with women. So I started being interested in women from an extremely young age mm-hmm. and not recognize that as attraction, which I think is same a very common thing that happens. So, you know, I always really liked the, the girl characters in cartoons and shows way more than the boy characters. I think about how often I would just like draw women. I like as a kid, I would just draw them over and over. And I really just thought, a girl crush was like the woman that you love because everyone does, you know, like I just remember these early memories and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I used to love to draw boobs. I draw, I drew boobs on everything, everything. There were boobs everywhere. Amazing. I was so obsessed again because of the religious background. My parents are not homophobic, but it is like so many other things, something that was never really talked about. Oh. So it was kind of given the general, it's wrong, but, you know, kind of let people do what they want. My parents are, I think they did a good job raising me in the fact that I have a really good sense of, you know, not judging other people Mm -hmm. and wanting to kind of understand where everyone else is coming from. Yeah. So they, my parents were not people who passed judgment extremely fast or harshly. 
they just had their belief systems that I don't necessarily agree with and affected me badly, but you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my first like, holy shit, I like girls. I'm going to have to like accept this was I had gone on to public high school and I mean, I think there were a couple like openly lesbian girls where it was like, you know, obvious. Mm-hmm. And there was this girl who was obviously lesbian and I'd passed her in the hallway a couple times. And I remember seeing her and I was like, Oh my God, like this is serious. And I think I found her on Instagram maybe cause I was so scared to talk to her. I'm still scared to talk to girls to this day. <gasps> yeah. I don't even remember what we started messaging about, but I was trying to, you know, hint to her that I liked girls too. Eventually we met up at Starbucks, I think one time and we got coffee and talked for a little bit. And there was like other kids from my high school there. So I was kind of tripping a little bit like, oh my gosh, I'm like, they're going to know. Oh my God, everybody's going to know. Wait, was the vibe at your high school very conservative? Yeah, it was okay. pretty conservative. Okay. I think we had like 80% like Caucasian white people Okay. and maybe like 15% Mexican or Latin American immigrants. Mm-hmm. So there was like a big population of students at my school who didn't speak English because okay. we, I lived in like a factory town. So we had mm-hmm. a lot of those jobs available, mm-hmm. but overall it was very closed off. Like for example, there's a lot of Trump signs still up yeah. in my hometown. Same. So um, we had like, there was, there was rallies. It was yep. not a great place to grow up if you're not cisgender, straight, white, Got it. male, honestly. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so we started talking after that. And then we started hanging out. Um, I remember I would pick her up and we would go get Starbucks always. And we would sit in the Starbucks parking lot and I would like set up my phone and we would watch Netflix in my car and drink Starbucks. Cute. (laughs) And then I, there's a specific drink from Starbucks. I don't remember which one it is. I know it's like seasonal, but if anybody ever has this drink or if I like, if I get this drink, I always think about her because she always got the drink. And when we kissed, I could always taste it. Oh, So, yeah, I always remember that. But I ended up, you know, bringing her home one time and was like, hey, mom, this is my friend. She's going to stay the night. And my mom's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's great. So my first, my first sexual experience with a girl was in my bed. And it was, yeah. How was it for you? It was exciting. I really liked kissing her. And being with a woman for me just feels a lot safer Mm. and more comfortable. And so that was nice. And then the first time I went down on her, I did not like. And I think that was because she maybe had some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But I did not like it the first time. After that, it was okay. We tried again a couple of times and it was fine. But I, at that point, I realized like, okay, this is probably going to, this is going to be a thing for my life now. Like, yeah. this is cool. She was around a lot. Like one of my, one of my best friends for quite a while until it got to the point where she was too up in my business. Mm. She was, you know, always asking me where I was and just high school stuff that I was okay. like, this is, this is too much. Okay. I can't. So we broke that off. And then after that, I didn't have a ton of experiences with girls. I've kissed a lot of girls like at parties and things. And because 
like all of my friends who wanted to like test out their sexuality in college, like everybody would like, let's get drunk and make out with Violet. (laughs) So there was actually one party. It wasn't a, it wasn't a party necessarily. We had me and a group of my friends had all gone to this big city near where we used to live for St. Patrick's day. And we were staying in this super nice like penthouse and there was a bunch of us in there. And I think there was only one person out of 10 that didn't try to make out with me the entire time. It ended up being, there was two of my friends who were dating and the girl had come out to talk to me on the balcony. And she's like, I really want to have sex with you. I was like, okay. And she's like, but, but you know, we should, we should talk to my boyfriend and get everything all, all straightened out here. And I was like, okay. So her boyfriend comes out. I think me and him talked about it before we all three talked about it. Okay. And he was like, I want to be there. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then she said, but he does, he can't participate. I don't want you guys to do anything. I just want me and you and me and him. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't really want to have sex with your boyfriend. So yeah. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I remember being kind of irritated though, because I'm trying to, you know, have sex with this girl, take care of her. And her boyfriend kind of kept getting in my way. Like, he would keep trying to like touch her when I was like touching her in a certain spot and just getting in the way of things. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, if you want to be here, that's fine. Like you can participate. That's fine. But don't get in my way. Yeah. So that was interesting. But after that, I had one of the only girls that I've had multiple, I've had sex with multiple times after that was One of my really good friends who I'm actually not friends with anymore, Mm. but we had sex one time just to see how it was with each other, Mm -hmm. just because we were friends and wanted to see. How does that come up? Do you just, are you just like drinking coffee one day and you're like, do you want to fuck or like, how does it happen? I think the first time that we had met, she had actually tried to hook up with me. Okay. And I was not into it. I was like, this girl is nuts. (laughs) And was just like, no. So I didn't do anything. And then eventually we became friends because we realized that we were really similar. Hmm. My roommates like to describe her as like the version of me that doesn't actually think through all of their decisions. Okay. She was just a little bit more wild. I actually don't even know. I remember how it happened though. We were in my bed and we were watching a movie. I think we just kissed and I think we were kind of like, do you want to? And we're like, yeah, why not? Okay. Okay. And that first time was kind of interesting with her because I had never been with someone who was uncomfortable taking their clothes off. And that was really weird for me to deal with because at that point I was so comfortable being naked. Mm -hmm. Like I was comfortable with my body. I was comfortable having sex. I was comfortable doing whatever. And she didn't want to take her underwear off. So I remember just kind of trying to like talk her through it. And she was like, but what if like, what if I, what if it looks weird? And I was like, flashback to like all this trauma. And I was yeah. like, no, oh my God, like it looks like a vagina. Yeah. Like I can tell you right now without seeing it, it looks like a vagina. Vaginas look normal. It's not weird. I promise. And she eventually did. And it was fun. But she also enjoyed being really dominant. And I'm definitely a switch. Okay. If I'm in a situation where someone wants to be dominant the entire time Mm -hmm. and where they want me to be submissive the entire time, 
I sometimes get kind of uncomfortable, especially if it's with a girl, mm. because I enjoy being dominant as well. So it was kind of, we hooked up a couple more times after that. And we actually hooked up on cam a couple times, which was fun. That's fun. Yeah. It was fun because we were, we could just like, we were getting drunk and playing like all these like tip games. Oh, fun. Oh, that's super fun. fun. Yeah. It was like slumber party. (laughs) What about the reverse of that? Could you stay in the dominant role or do you need to switch usually? Generally, I need to switch. Okay. When I have sex with people, I like there to be a lot of communication, a lot of talking, a lot of interaction. Yeah. And I feel like if you just stay in one role the entire time, you you lose a lot of communication. Mm. And it's also harder for me to verify that someone is really enjoying themselves Mm. to the fullest extent possible, which because I have had bad sexual experiences, it's very important for me to make sure that everyone that I have a sexual experience with has a great time and feels safe and loved and beautiful and comfortable. Will you share with us a little bit more about your kinks? So I recently discovered that I am slightly into feet, but not everybody's feet. Okay. How did you discover it? So camming, you run into a lot of new kinks that you have not really like experienced before. And one of the things that I kind of advertise with is that I'm down for whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, with obvious restrictions on morally, ethically, not cool things. Can you just list some of your restrictions so we can just hear them concretely? Yes. Um, bestiality, anything regarding pedophilia. I don't do age play. I don't do like rape scenarios, Great. anything like that. Or I don't act out anything where someone is uncomfortable or doesn't want to be there. I don't ever pretend like that. Great. So I don't, I don't like to contribute to those types of kinks and the damages that they can do. Same, same. Yeah. So people were interested in a lot of things. And one of the things was feet. At first, I was kind of like, okay, whatever, like, yeah, you can see my feet. And then as I was kind of showing them more and taking more pictures, I was like, okay. And then I remember, I think it was my ex and we were fucking and really hard. And he just kind of grabbed my feet to hold on to. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so hot when he touches my feet. So then I kind of like mentioned it to him. And so he started touching them more when we fucked. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I was so comfortable with him that I was like, one day I was like, hey, so how do you feel about sucking my toes? And he was like, Pilot, what the fuck? (laughs) And I was like, no, come on. And he's like, are you serious right now? And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, you know, like, I'm not going to pressure anybody to try something they're not into. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. And I'm like, I'm not going to like have you do it you know, after I just come home from a long day or something, like I'm going to get straight out of the shower, like shower to your mouth, you know? (laughs) And so we had like fucked a little bit and then we went to take a shower together, ended up fucking in the shower again and went back to bed to fuck again. And I could like, I could tell that this was the time that he was going to do it. And he was like on top and I kind of had my feet up and I was just like looking at him like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And he 
put my toes in his mouth and was like fucking me and sucking my toes. And I came so hard. It was incredible. So that was fun experience, but I don't have any desire to put, I don't know about girl feet. I have no desire to put man feet in my mouth. None. I think I would like, if it's a clean foot, I think I would be into it. You know, and, and then I hear myself say that and I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to be like licking floor dirt or like dealing with cracked calluses personally. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like that. But if it's like a clean foot and if I like the person, then to me, it's just like another extension of a part of them to enjoy. That's kind of how I feel. Exactly. I mean, that is one thing. I don't like to have hard stops yeah. on things that I'm like, eh, like I'm never like, oh, I'll never do that because... Yeah. Who knows? Because another thing, I don't know if this is appropriate, but if it's legal and consensual on this podcast, it's appropriate. Okay. So I started having people ask me for like pee videos, Mm -hmm. which I show you my new toy. Wait, where is it? This was an early birthday present from one of my friends to me. It is a travel urinal. (gasps) but I thought she gave it to me for like pee purposes, but she has no idea that I've participated in golden shower things and she bought it because the last time we went hiking, I like peed on my ankle because I was like squatting in the woods. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Best gift ever. So just saying that exists. I had no idea. Such a good idea. Oh my (laughs) god! I just think it's fun. I'm like, Ooh, what can I do with this? So I am going to go in the shower and aim. I just got it, but I I haven't tried it yet, but okay. How did you feel the first time? Yeah. Okay. Tell it. Just tell us, tell us, tell us. So I didn't do the videos for a while because I think when I first got requests for them, I was living in my parents' house Mm, and I was mm -hmm, living like mm -hmm. (laughs) my living situation was super weird. Basically I had like a whole apartment that was like separate, Mm. but it didn't have a bathroom. So I yep. had to like go into the normal house to use the bathroom. So it was like that limited me in a lot of things. It's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So didn't really do that. But the more like people asked about it and then me and my ex, we love to joke about things. But whenever we joke about sexual things, it always turns into like something real, mm-hmm. like every time. So we joke all the time about like, peeing on each other, peeing in each other's mouths, like, just be like, hey, watch it. I'll pee in your mouth. Like little things like that. Uh-huh. So nothing has happened yet. And I'm in a country and I'm in a different country than him right now anyways. Mm-hmm. And also we're not together, but I think we've talked about it enough times that he would potentially let me pee on him in the shower, which may happen. I'm also totally down to be peed on myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what I've heard when I've talked to partners is that it can be harder for men sometimes because you can't really pee with an erection. Some of them can. Some of them can. I've heard this. I'm just saying like, oh, who was I just talking to? Was it on an episode? Because that was a question that I asked someone. I was like, wait, so there's a little bit of pee because I, I was talking to someone who was watching a porno where the guy ended up peeing in the girl's butt and they're a couple, they're a couple. And it's like, they're kink. They're like super into it. And here's the thing. There's a little part of me that's like, I'm curious. (laughs) Like, like terrified, weirded out and curious enough 
that like if the opportunity arises, I I would want to try it once at least. Exactly. You exactly. Know? Can't knock it till you try it. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah. So pee is something that I haven't. I've just taken videos of myself. I haven't really okay. actually gotten to engage in that. Okay. Have you peed on anything fun or is it just like in the shower or in the toilet or what is it? Yeah. Nothing fun. Okay. Nothing fun okay. yet. It's a, it's a kink to be explored. Okay. Anal is something that I'm working on as well. So my ex kind of got me more, more comfortable with that. Interesting fact. I've only ever done anal with Brazilian men. <laughs> very fun fact yeah so what have your experiences been like so far good nothing has been bad everyone has been very understanding and gentle which is kind of part of the requirement I mean if they're not I'm not gonna let them put their dick in my butt but yeah good it's been pretty good and before I was really comfortable doing it we like I was like I need to have the conversation like what if I accidentally poop on your dick like what yeah. what are what are you gonna do what would what would happen mm-hmm. and my ex was so casual he's like well I just go to the shower and probably come back great that's the right <laughs> I was answer like, all right then then perfect then I'm down and so. I would I would add he should clean you up and take care of you and then clean himself up yeah you know yeah like, I, think he, I think he probably mentioned that yeah yeah that's great that's great that's the thing honestly with my master he gave me that gift of safety of just being like well you should never be embarrassed in front of me because I was like what if it's messy he's like yeah so what sometimes it gets messy like mm, it's fine so I really I I do like that mindset a lot and that's another thing you know talking about really rough sex I like to be restrained a lot mm. How do you like it? Like, what do you like? I like full, like, starfish, like, every corner of the bed. Yeah. That's the thing. I also like, you know, hands behind my back, tied to where I'm, like, kind of stuck in doggy style, Mm. I think is fun. But I also really like being able to see. Mm. But there is sometimes, I like, you know, sensory deprivation. So if I can't see for a little bit, I think it's fun. Things like that. I like in certain situations, like really, really horny times. I like when people spit in my mouth. Yeah. I like to be slapped pretty hard. I like to be spanked. Do you do face slaps or is it just on your body? Face slaps. Okay. Me too. I'm not a fan of, I've had people like slap my boobs before. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. For me, it just, I can just feel like my chest like feeling kind of Mm. hollow Mm. and it doesn't feel sexy to me. It just feels kind of like I'm being beaten and I'm like, I don't like this. Oh, okay. Have you ever had a boob slap where you're like on all fours and so your boobs are hanging down? I think that's my favorite, but I also have like very pendulous breasts. So like to me, it's sort of like a floppy bag. Like what are the punching bag? I I think I've had some of those in those, but I can only do like gentle ones, like got just it, like a it. like okay. little like like a cat. Oh right, because like your nipples it. are sensitive too. Yeah, like you have yeah, yeah. My nipples are not sensitive. They can they can take a beating. Okay. <laughs> so I like that, but when I do have, you know, I like biting too. Mm, biting is fun and yeah. scratching. Yeah, I had an ex who really he liked. He didn't want me to intentionally draw blood, yeah. but whenever I accidentally draw blood, yeah. he drew blood, he really liked it. I hear that from a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But when I engage in really rough sex like that, I kind of need to have that period of safety afterwards. Yes. So I need to be like cuddled. I need kisses. I need you to like take care of me yeah. and love on me afterwards. Yeah. You got to have aftercare. Yeah. Like rough sex without aftercare. Don't do. Not okay. What conversations do you need to have ahead of time to feel safe? Well, I only really have rough sex with people 
who I consider to be like steady partners. Got it. So it kind of comes in experience. So it's a lot of little talks together. Yeah. I don't usually do like one big, like before we have rough sex talk. Great. Safe words are always discussed before every rough sex thing though, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. And then actually sexual experiences with girls. My last one that I had, it was really fun. But I think part of it was she had just gotten out of a really long relationship. And so she was used to being extremely rough with her Mm -hmm. Mm ex-girlfriend. And she was way too rough with me. Even in the fact of like when she would just grab my body, she would just grab way too hard for me. And there was, we had a little bit of a language barrier issue. So that also contributed, Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of hard because I was trying really hard to enjoy it, but I was being, I was getting kind of injured and you know, there would be a point maybe where I can get to a level in a relationship where I'm okay being injured like that, but I wasn't, it wasn't like I felt unsafe or uncomfortable. It was just like, ouch, I can't focus on like really enjoying this. Like, dude, please, please. Any other kinks we need to cover? I do enjoy breath play, oh, yeah. um, but that does need to have a lot of prep knowledge and safety involved, yeah. can only be engaged in, in the correct way. People need to know what they're doing, need to know how to hold your neck at all, any, mm-hmm. type, of, any type of neck holding. Sometimes people don't even try to do breath play, but they just try to choke too hard yeah. in the wrong spot. You have to know the safe spots, yeah. Mm-hmm. So safe spots, always doing it in a well-lit area. So to make sure that, you know, if somebody were to pass out or something were to happen, you can, you know, assess the situation correctly. Yes. Also making sure that you never do breath play when any substances are involved. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Any substances, even like marijuana casually. It's very important when you're engaging in sex practices that could be dangerous that you are completely clear headed. Yes. Yeah. You get enough endorphin. You get the drug rush from your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else do you want to explore? Like in my life? Yeah. Over- just like an mm-hmm. overview, not like a final answer question, but just like what's at the forefront of your exploration horizons today? I am definitely going through a phase where I am much more interested in women than I'm interested in men kind of throughout my life. It's, it's kind of fluctuated, mm. but right now it's, and it's actually been kind of for a while. I just have a really hard time talking to girls because I get scared. Me too. And I, I get much more nervous talking to women because they're just like pretty and more complicated. Mm. So I want to experience a lot more sexual things with women, I think is kind of on my list of to do's that I really want. So I'm excited about that. I also want to try more things. So trying more things with feet. Yeah. And seeing exactly what I like. I've given foot jobs before. Ooh. Can you give us the details? How do you do them? So I like to kind of put my heels and toes together and then use like the arches to like put the dick in between. Fun. <laughs> and then kind of going up and down on it like that. And then also if you're extra flexible, incorporating your mouth too. Yeah. So I also really like, I love, I love putting people's balls in my mouth. Me too. I love that so much. Yeah. So if you can like incorporate like feet, mouth, hands, balls, everything, I just think it's super fun. That's awesome. Wait, have you had group sex? Did we talk about, you talked about, that was like kind of a threesome, but like, have you ever had a threesome threesome? Would you want to? 
Well, there was another girl involved in that situation as well. Okay. But it was also kind of like separate. Like okay. we separately had sex and then me and the other girl separately had sex with her boyfriend sort of involved and then okay. they separately had sex. So it wasn't as comfortable of a group sex experience. I do really want to experience a group sex scenario. I really like, you know, being seen. I like people to look at me. I like to be looked at as a sexual object when it's consensual, me of too. course. Same. Yep. So I enjoy that a lot. And I would have a threesome, but my issue is I can't figure out who it would be with because if it was with like my ex and someone and we had talked, we talked about it so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that didn't go very well, but <laughs> I would get really jealous yeah. and I know that I would get jealous. Yeah. So it kind of has to, I have to figure out the line there. I definitely would not have a threesome with two men. Okay. For sure. Okay. I would need it to be like a guy and a girl. That would be my perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. Or I could do like women group sex too. I feel like that would be fun. Yeah. Would you go to a sex party? Yes, I would. Yeah. If I, I think I would need a friend oh, who had yeah. like been before. I have been to a sex party alone. I mean, like I knew a friend of a friend and I don't recommend that. And I'm like, I can go anywhere by myself. And then I get there and I'm like, you're shy. What are you doing here? And I just sat in the hot tub the whole night and got hit on. But then I was like, I don't like these people enough. Like, I want to go with you, but you didn't ask me anything specific. And I don't, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. So I, yeah. so that's a, that's a smart instinct. <laughs> I do want to participate in something like that. I think it sounds super, super fun. I've tried to do like some research on it, but it's also underground. Like yes. it's difficult to figure yes. out if you don't have somebody like in the circle. Yes. So that's yeah. the area I want to learn more about. Totally. I want to circle back to the night you talked about, like, eight of the ten people tried to make out with you. Oh, yeah. How did that feel? Like, because for me, I can I can imagine on certain nights in certain moods with a certain type of people, it would be, like, exciting and exhilarating and feel really, like, desired. And then I can imagine other nights, if I'm in a slightly different mood, could even be the same everything else, where I might just feel like too much of an object or like, oh, I'm just the person that people know they can fuck, you know, like how, how does it hit you? So in that situation in particular, because I, you know, didn't have sex with everyone and in, in group situations like that, mm-hmm. if I do end up hooking up with someone, it's almost always a girl. Okay. I don't feel comfortable like hooking up with men in a party setting like that. Mm-hmm. That's just personal mm-hmm. preference. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, it was okay. It was fun. We were all drinking and we were all pretty close friends. Okay. Also, I was the one who had like kissed the most people out of everybody, but other people were also kind of like mingling and interacting. So it was, it was a group thing. Yeah. But there have been times when I have had friends or friends of friends who women who are very adamantly, oh, I'm straight and we'll talk about how they're straight. And then when they start drinking a little bit, they'll just want to come kiss me. And I've been like cornered one time by this girl who was really drunk and I was sober. And she had told me many times that she was very straight and she was just trying to kiss me and like backing me into a corner. And, you know, if people are working through their sexual identity or what they're, what they're interested in, that's fine. But I don't feel comfortable engaging in activity with someone who has, you know, told me I'm not interested in women. And when you're under the influence, then you're switching that up. Yeah. So that is the thing that makes me uncomfortable when people 
you know, especially, especially when people get drunk and try to kiss me or try to hook up with me, I'm like, listen, if you still want to do this when you're sober, yes. text me. But like here, I just don't, I don't feel cool with it. Good. Yeah. Is there anything about your sexual self or your sex stories of your life so far that need to be shared before I ask you the wrap up questions? Okay. I think this is important and kind of relevant to things that I've said before. When you have gone through or when I have gone through significant sexual trauma or even, you know, smaller sexual trauma, because all sexual traumas, all trauma is significant. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, especially women and younger girls will go through periods of extremely increased sexuality. And it's for me, it was a coping mechanism of how am I going to take something back that was stolen from me? And, you know, like I had talked about, there was such a high price that was placed on my virginity that I didn't place there. And so that whole period of reclaiming, a lot of that was in me just engaging in a bunch of different sexual scenarios. So that was a big learning experience. I, you know, had my first orgasm that way with, I had my first orgasm with a partner, like way after I started having sex. Yeah. But that period of just kind of learning and figuring it out was very important. But I think it's also really important to remember, I think if people are listening to this podcast, they probably understand. But it's it's really important to not place judgment on people for acting in a sexualized manner, yeah. like ever, yeah. because you don't know what led to that. And our sexuality is so deeply intertwined with everything else in our lives. And the separation just doesn't really work. So when people try to separate it, there can be a lot of damage that's done to others and, you know, maybe even themselves. So I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Okay. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age would you pick? What would you say? I think I would probably pick seven or eight years old. And I would say what you're doing is okay. It's not wrong. You won't turn out badly. You will have no bad effects from this. And you're okay. Beautiful. And also just you're in control of your body. No one else is. No one, no one else can ever tell you what to do with it. Yes. Do you have a sex question for me? Oh, my goodness. How should I look into getting involved into sex parties in a safe way? Oh, my God. This is what I'm trying to figure out, and this is actually what I hope to help solve. In my biggest version of my dream for how sex stories unfolds, I'm spending the next year trying to figure out how to finance a mobile dungeon. So one year from now, on my birthday, ideally, I will be going around first the U.S. in the mobile dungeon, facilitating deep experiences, but also interviewing people as I go. And I would like eventually to franchise these mobile dungeons and have them connect to different hotel situations. And ideally, I would like to use technology in a good way to create safe spaces that are enforced, that have really clear boundaries. And I think that if we collectively can get the rest of the world on board with kind of like shifting the culture toward openness and safety, obviously, it's a big job. We'll do as much as we can. And, you know, I'm going to do what I can in my lifetime. I would like to create a network 
of what would basically be, I don't know, you know, like Starbucks for sex parties, but like, like where you can like look on your phone, see what's safe, see what the theme is, see who's involved and everything is identity verified, but still remains secure so that you're going to these adult spaces that are safe. Those don't exist yet. So I would say, you know, the two sex parties that I have been to were through networks of people who were like in these sexual spaces. And I've seen, I always chat people up when I go to a sex shop because they oftentimes are in the know. Or just before COVID hit, I was starting to go to kinky meetups, like kink munches in the area. And I was trying to meet people that way. And so I've found that there are these little networks, but they take hunting. And so my hope is to see what I can do and, you know, maybe call upon this community and see what we can create together. Because I, obviously, I'm in a bubble where people are normal and enthusiastic about sex. And I'm like, well, we should work together to create spaces where we can have that, you know. And so I think until we get that figured out, until the big dream is coming to fruition, I think the best bet is to just see who's in your network. And again, it's hard, it's hard to figure out, like, who's open and who's closed. But I, I also think the more that I'm like, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm looking for sex parties. You know, the more I say that out loud, even without the microphone of a podcast, that is what has brought the experiences I've had to me. You know, so the first one I ever got invited to, I was at a friend's birthday party and I met a dude and I was like, blah, 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 thinking about starting a sex podcast. I'm a kinky submissive, you know, and he was like, oh, I have tickets for this thing. It's like two months from now, you know, and we didn't know each other, but he was like, I tie rope a little bit and like, we didn't have a long relationship, but we had a couple dates and I was like, tie my wrists. I've never been tied. Like, I want to try that. And then I ended up going with him to this party. Now, I wish I'd gone to the party with someone that like wanted to have more sex with me. I think he was shy. And I think I forget because I really deeply got the message that like boys want to have sex. And so my entire life, I've been like, I'm ready. Like, have sex with me. And like my whole life, I've been like, ah, like scaring men away specifically. Like, uh, (laughs) and then just like being super baffled by women and trying to, you know, figure that out. But Yeah, I would say just start by talking to the people that you're sexually interested in. I really believe that if we like, like you said earlier, I don't think we have to figure out how the threesome happens. I think we just have to be really clear on the desire and be less afraid to speak it. So that's what I'm practicing with sex stories, with talking about my big, huge, crazy, scary dreams. That's my best guess. I don't know. We'll figure it out together is my hope. (laughs) That sounds so cool. That like makes me just, that makes me so excited. I want to be involved. Right? Would you like to let people know where they can find your excellent content on the internet? So I am on Twitter, Snapchat, and Chatterbait at the moment. So um, you can find my Snapchat through my Twitter, but my Twitter handle is at hippiebabe93. So H-I-P-P-I-E-B-A-B-E-9-3. And then my Chatterbait username is the same thing, Hippie Babe, except before the 93, there's an underscore. So Hippie Babe underscore 93. Fuck yeah. Can I call you a babe on the podcast? Absolutely. And I will just say, I can see her. She's a babe. Go check her out. (laughs) Violet, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for talking to me. This has been like a dream come true. I'm super excited. (laughs) Yay.